the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Governor Ron DeSantis sends illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. We take what's happening at the southern border very seriously, unlike some. A special master named in the Mar-a-Lago case. It's Judge Raymond Deary, a Reagan appointee, a special master. A rail strike likely averted. And a tentative agreement must be approved by union workers. It allows workers to take time off for doctor's appointments and other scheduled events without being penalized. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, September 16th. I'm Mike Scott. On Wednesday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis followed through on his promise to send illegal immigrants to more blue states by sending two plane loads of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. The Florida governor proposed Delaware or Martha's Vineyard as a destination for the illegal immigrants, while his office explained that migrants may also be sent to other blue states whose governors endorse what they believe are blatant violations of federal immigration law. Back in November of 2021, DeSantis said dozens of migrant flights landed in Florida at the behest of the Biden administration, and he threatened at that time to send them on to Delaware on buses. This comes as Vice President Kamala Harris, who was put in charge of tackling the border crisis by President Biden, had a busload of illegal immigrants dropped off at the front door of her private residence in Washington, D.C., Breaking news for you. Uh, This has been a busy morning already. We are going live to pictures from Washington, D.C. And the latest report is that there have been immigrants by bus dropped off at Vice President Kamala Harris's residence. This is just outside her home. Uh, You can see from these pictures, dozens, uh, I I would say more than 100. I don't know if there are multiple hundreds of people outside on the lawn there, but not a small number of people uh, outside, not the White House, uh, but Vice President Harris's home address. Harris became a lightning rod for criticism this week after she proclaimed that the southern border is secure. However, administration officials estimate that there is an average of 55,000 so-called gotaways each month of illegal immigrants who successfully make it to the country without being detained. Nicole Burley of News Nation explains that Texas Governor Greg Abbott hopes that busing migrants into northern cities will show how desperate the situation really is at the southern border potentially uh, another contention between Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and uh, the northeastern cities that he has deemed uh, a home for those who have crossed illegally into the country, getting the attention of the federal government. That's what he says his intentions are, uh, to make sure that they know exactly what border towns along our border with Mexico are actually dealing with. 
the inundation of people, uh, a lack of resources. Uh, Washington, D.C.'s uh, Mayor Mariel Bowser has now asked for the federal government to step in. They have not taken any action yet. Massachusetts State Senator Julian Sears says the actions by GOP governors shipping migrants to other cities, in his opinion, is a political stunt. This is clearly part of a campaign, just the news that, that we were hearing um, earlier about about, about uh, another sort of stunt happening outside of the VP's residence. Um, you know, this is really about, um, you know, using human beings, uh, you know, for a political stunt. There was no advance notification to any officials on Martha's Vineyard of, of the arrival of these planes and no notification, to my knowledge, of anyone in Massachusetts about this. So um, this is a pretty wretched, awful uh, thing that, that, that some folks are doing. Sear claims that segregationists have used tactics like what DeSantis is using during the civil rights era. Now, this is a, a, a really, a really shameful tactic. Uh, and there's a history of doing this. During the civil rights era, uh, segregationists actually used a similar tactic uh, in, in, in uh, tricking black families to, to come to places like Hyannis in an effort to embarrass, um, you know, northern states. Uh, we welcomed uh, the people who came, uh, the black families who came to Hyannis uh, in the 1960s, and, and, and we're welcoming these folks now. But this is not actually about, you know, having, um, you know, states who are further from the border helping the, in the situation. If, if, you, if, if you wanted help, there'd be some level of coordination, some communication. Um, this is an explicit political stunt at the expense of, of vulnerable people, uh, and it's shameful, and it's disgusting. However, DeSantis says that his state is not a sanctuary state, and he's simply sending illegal immigrants to states who are. We take what's happening at the southern border very seriously, unlike some and unlike the president of the United States who has refused to lift a finger to secure that border. And you've had millions and millions of people pouring across illegally, record amount of fentanyl coming into our country. It is absolutely killing Americans in record numbers. Of course, you have criminal aliens, but just the sheer number of people it's not the way you run a country. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that come across. Where do they want to end up? A lot want to come to because everyone wants to come to Florida. And so we've we've worked on innovative ways to be able to protect the state of Florida from the impact of Biden's border policies. And so that's involved a number of things. We've had different operations in the panhandle where we've stopped uh, human smugglers. There have been tr criminal charges brought. There have been drugs seized. There have been a whole bunch of things. But yes, if you have folks that are inclined to think Florida is a good place, our message to them is we are not a sanctuary state. And it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. Since President Biden took office, the White House has repeatedly claimed the border is secure. Meantime, millions of illegal immigrants with numbers hitting new and historic records month after month continue to pour into the country, severely overwhelming border communities in Texas and Arizona. On Thursday, Russia threatened the U.S. once again, saying that if Washington supplies Ukraine with longer-range weaponry, America would cross a red line. If Washington permits the production of rockets of longer range, Foreign Minister Spokesman Maria Zakharova went on to say that Moscow reserves the right to defend its territory. 
Meantime, Ukrainian authorities have found a mass burial site of more than 440 bodies in the eastern city of Uzium that was recaptured as Russia sent missiles into Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's hometown. CBS's foreign correspondent Deborah Pata has the latest from the front lines in Ukraine. Putin has exacted his revenge, sending missiles to Zelensky's hometown of Kriviri that smashed into a dam flooding surrounding areas. The president condemned the strike as the work of weaklings who'd fled the battlefield. In the liberated areas, it's civilians who've paid a heavy price during the long months of Russian occupation. Izium was shelled for weeks on end, and everywhere we've gone, there's just been utter devastation. This behind me is the local city hall, and over there, a hospital. Clearly not a military target. The Kremlin attempted to erase every trace of Ukrainian identity. They burned our books, destroyed our schools, removed our TV channels and put on Moscow's propaganda, Yulio Kuziobenko told us. Some even collaborated with the Russian forces, like her ex-husband, whom she's denounced as a traitor, saying he's dead to her. Ukraine is now trying to extend its counteroffensive towards the east. Zelensky has called on Western countries to continue supplying weapons. Now they've proved they know how to use them effectively. Late on Thursday, a Brooklyn-based federal judge was selected to serve as an independent arbiter, reviewing materials seized in the FBI search of former President Donald Trump's Florida home. Breaking news tonight in the many, many investigations into all things Trump, Judge Eileen Cannon has denied a Justice Department request to carve out access to 100 classified documents seized in the search of Trump's Florida resort home. And has appointed one of the Trump legal team's picks, Judge Raymond Deary, a Reagan appointee, as special master. Senior Justice Raymond Deary, a judge put forward as a possible candidate for the special master role by the Trump team, was endorsed by the DOJ. Jay Town, a former U.S. attorney, tells News Nation that he wasn't entirely surprised by Judge Cannon's ruling on the special master case. Am I surprised that Judge Cannon didn't overrule her order of uh, uh, 10 days ago? No, Dan, I, I, I'm not. And, and uh, you know, I thought that perhaps she would um, uh, maybe give some access uh, to those uh, 100, 100 records or so, those classified records to, to DOJ, um, and, and maybe if there needed to be some judicial process, have some in-camera review. Uh, but I'm not surprised at all that, uh, that she didn't uh, overrule herself uh, tonight. And, in fact, she, as you pointed out uh, in, in the lead-in, uh, she took a number of shots at the Department of Justice and sort of how they've conducted their business since the search at Mar-a-Lago. Town also says that, in his opinion, an appeal of that decision by the DOJ is not very smart. So if you're the Department of Justice and you're anxious to get going on this criminal investigation and the appeal is going to take 60 to 120 days and the special master is going to be done in 75 what good are you are, are is is it to then you know cause all these appellate delays when you're actually going to be able to start your investigation back up sooner? I don't disagree with General Barr's sort of summation that uh, there 
you know, there is sort of a rain delay, as he, as he said, uh, in, in the appeal. And, and whether or not there's a charge down the road, I don't think this changes any of that. However, David Maria, former federal prosecutor, says that he believes the DOJ must appeal the ruling. I think the reason why the DOJ is going to appeal this, though, is the level of interaction that, that they're giving the Trump campaign, the Trump side and his attorneys in this process. It's letting them see everything that was taken, including ordering them to see all the classified information as long as the, the steps are met. That just doesn't happen. Cannon gave the special master a deadline of November 30 to finish the review of potentially privileged documents. The schedule puts the review ending after the midterm congressional elections. On Thursday, the Supreme Court denied a bid by Yeshiva University to block an LGBTQ student organization from forming on campus in a 5-4 ruling and is sending the issue back to the New York courts. Supreme Court justices who dissented from the majority included Justice Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. In a 5-4 to four vote, Supreme Court justices have declined to block an order which requires Yeshiva University to recognize an LGBTQ student club. The Jewish University is in New York and it filed an emergency request with the high court. They argue that complying with the order violates their religious beliefs. In the unsigned order, the justices said it would wait until the state court has made a final ruling on the case. Now, once that happens, Yeshiva could return to the Supreme Court for an appeal. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, writing for the majority, said that the application is denied because it appears that applicants have at least two further avenues for expedited or interim state court relief. Alito's dissent read in part, I doubt that Yeshiva's return to state court will be fruitful, and I see no reason why we should not grant a stay at this time. It is our duty to stand up for the Constitution, even when doing so is controversial. The school will now need to go back through the New York state court system. Early on Thursday morning, rail companies and union leaders reached a tentative deal to avoid an economically devastating strike. To the American people, this agreement can avert a significant damage that any shutdown would have brought. Our nation's rail system is the backbone of our supply chain. Today is a win, and I mean it sincerely, a win for America. The deal, which still needs to be approved by the workers themselves, was brokered during all-night negotiations led by Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. The freight companies have agreed to allow workers to take unpaid days off for medical care. They were previously not allowed to use those type of sick days. Kelly Meyer of News Nation says that negotiations between rail companies and workers have been ongoing for two years. A collective sigh of relief here in Washington, but not only here across the country, as they averted this potentially devastating shutdown, the Biden administration getting involved to broker this agreement over 20 hours of consecutive negotiations inside the Department of Labor, reaching an agreement between the rail companies and the unions. Uh, The Labor Secretary sharing this news on Twitter, saying the agreement, quote, balances the needs of workers, businesses, and our nation's economy. That tweet, you can see, was sent at 5 a.m. this morning, those talks going through the night, but really these negotiations have been ongoing for more than two years. 
Meyer explains what is known about the tentative deal. Here's what they agreed to. The new contracts provide rail employees a 24% wage increase over a five-year period, back pay and cash bonuses. It allows workers to take time off for doctor's appointments and other scheduled events without being penalized. Workers said they faced roadblocks to taking unpaid time off. And it would mandate two-person crews because workers were concerned about operating trains solo and it put a new cap on workers' health care costs. Meyer does caution that the workers still have to agree to the deal in a union vote. Now, the rail workers still need to vote on a tentative deal, but in the meantime, the workers said they will not strike. But if they still disagree and can't come to an agreement uh, with the union workers here, that could put us right back where we started. Eric Finley, a Norfolk Southern Railways worker, explains what he believes he and other rail workers were fighting for. I believe it's been almost eight years since we've received the wage increase. And the quality of life for us is, you know, very important because we work on a different type of schedule than, you know, the average American that is working nine to five weekends off. You know, we're we're more on a 24-hour on-call basis. So for us pushing for the higher quality of life, vacation days, sick days, leave, You know, it really has a tremendous impact on us and our families. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits fell again last week to a four-month low. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has more. The decline comes even as the Federal Reserve continues its aggressive interest rate cuts to bring the inflation under control. The Labor Department says applications for jobless aid for the week ending September 10th fell by 5,000 to 213,000. That's the fewest since late May. First-time applications generally reflect layoffs. And finally, he's one of the greatest ever on the tennis court. Roger Federer has announced he's retiring from pro tennis at the age of 41 after winning 20 Grand Slam titles. Federer has not competed since Wimbledon July 2021 after a series of knee operations. Federer, in a post on Instagram, said his tennis career is ending. The Labor Cup next week in London will be my final ATP event. I will play more tennis in the future, of course, but just not in Grand Slams or on the tour. This is a bittersweet decision because I will miss everything the tour has given me. But at the same time, there is so much to celebrate. I consider myself one of the most fortunate people on earth. I was given a special talent to play tennis, and I did it at a level that I never imagined for much longer than I ever thought possible. Federer went on to say he's had an amazing career. The last 24 years on tour have been an incredible adventure. While it sometimes feels like it went by in 24 hours, it has also been so deep and magical that it seems as if I've already lived a full lifetime. I've had the immense fortune to play in front of you in over 40 different countries. I have laughed and cried, felt joy and pain, and most of all, I have felt incredibly alive. The surefire tennis Hall of Famer says, now was the time to retire from competitive tennis. As many of you know, the past three years have presented me with challenges in the form of injuries and surgeries. I've worked hard to return to full competitive form, but I also know my body's capacities and limits and its message to me lately has been clear. I am 41 years old. I've played more than 1,500 matches over 24 years. Tennis has treated me more generously than I ever would have dreamt. 
and now must recognize when it is time to end my competitive career. The international went on to say that he's grateful for all the support he's received over his long career. Above all, I must offer a special thank you to my unbelievable fans. You will never know how much strength and belief you have given me. The inspiring feeling of walking into full stadiums and arenas has been one of the huge thrills in my life. Without you, those successes would have felt lonely rather than filled with joy and energy. This announcement comes just days after the season-capping end of the U.S. Open. That tournament was expected to be the last of 23-time major champion Serena Williams' career. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.